Hey, what's up? It's your boy Anthony Cass Clark, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts Over Coffee Daily. Good people of the world, what is up? I hope that all is well, all is well on this side. Today, another episode coming right at you. So, you've heard his voice on the podcast many of times. He is the host of Short Story Long, the podcast. He is also the founder and a partner of Young and Reckless. His name is Chris Drama Path. Now, uh, I enjoy Chris Drama Paths. <laughs> that sounds weird. We'll just call him Drama. Uh, I enjoy Drama's content online. Uh, he's actually uh, the co-host of another podcast called Group Chat that I enjoy also. Um, drama comes from Ohio. He is from Akron, Ohio, to be specific. Moved to L.A., became Rob Rob Deerdick's assistant. Uh, he was his cousin, and he worked his way up the ladder to eventually finding or you know, founding his own company, Young and Reckless. And I wanted to share the story of how drama became who he is today. And um, I thought it was a really insightful story. And, you know, this is what this podcast is all about. It's all about relatable experiences and then also hearing experiences that are not relatable. So maybe you can take some gems from somebody else's life and somebody else's world and apply it to your own. That's what it's all about, you know, because I come from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is nothing like Akron, Ohio. I don't have a cousin like Rob Deerdick. So it's interesting to hear drama's story and what he had to do and what he, what he had to go through to become who he is today. So if I find it interesting, then somebody listening to this podcast will probably find it interesting. <laughs> That's what we're hoping. That's what we're praying. But before we get to today's clip, I want to let you know that the No Coffee, No Talking t-shirts are still available for sale. So make your way over to my Instagram, click the link in my bio, and purchase a t-shirt because these t-shirts are limited. So you want to get them while you can. They'll be up for a few more uh, until they sell out. So cop your t-shirt while you still can. I much appreciate the support and thank you for listening, of course. So without further ado, here it is. Chris Drama Path, featured on Leaders Create Leaders, hosted by Gerard Adams. Here we go. For me, I did first come across you as Drama, yep. Fantasy Factory. Rob was one of the one of the guys that I always inspired me as one of the first like mentors that I saw doing it as an entrepreneur. Go ahead and take a look. Cannon, come on. Yeah. I, it's a cannon, yeah. man. I, yeah. Yes. You jumped that motorcycle without a second thought. I put you in a box that exploded. You didn't even question me. What was interesting for me, seeing you build your business during that time frame and that you didn't, like a lot of people, get caught up into the fame aspect and trying to like be yep. famous. It was more like, no, you're trying to be, you know, build a business, yep. be an entrepreneur. Um, maybe part of the reason why so many people nowadays think it's the cool thing to actually become one, yeah. you know, because like you're one of the first sh people on television as like young millennial, and that was that was what you were doing. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, but like, I want to know kind of before before the show, like mm -hmm. who were you growing up, and how did like skating inspire you, and did you think that you were going to be someone who would become this businessman that you are today? Yeah. So growing up, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and 
my life was just dedicated to skateboarding. It's all I wanted to do. I didn't really have, I mean, the good and bad of that was it sort of kept me out of trouble. I had a passion, I had a passion, but I couldn't really think beyond skateboarding. So it's not like I grew up thinking of all these businesses I would start. Yeah. And to be honest, part of the reason why I, you know, tell the stories I tell is because you're sort of, in these small towns, you're sort of told that you, that you can't be that. Like, that's too big for you. Those people are superheroes, and you're just not that, right? So I never really had expectations of being much of anything, you know? I was always very, like, crafty and, like, sort of a hustler, you know, selling bike parts. And, yeah. you know, part of the way that I moved, um, I always tell people this. There was three places where I got money to move to L.A. One was from my graduation money. Um, the other was from stealing iPods at Best Buy and selling them at school. Yeah. I had this whole plan, you know, this whole uh, racket where I knew how to steal them and blah blah blah, oh, and wow. I would sell them at school. Yeah. And then the third was I went and filmed. I got really into filming and taking photos, and I filmed a video of all of my friends um, skating and made a skateboard video like of the Akron crew. And then I went around to all the skate shops in Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati and sold them the video to say like, here's what the Akron crew is doing, right? So we had a big premiere and we did all this stuff and that probably made me like a couple thousand bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's how I moved here. So I was crafty, but I didn't have these like high expectations. Mm. You know, I really moved here with like the goal of getting a studio apartment and maybe working in the skateboard industry as a filmer. and drinking a bunch of beer and not having any rules. Like yeah, that was like yeah. my dream. Yeah. You know? What I was gonna do is I was gonna get a job at a skate shop, yeah. just cause I knew that was sort of step one. Um, that's when I sort of started spending a lot of time with my cousin Rob, and cause we didn't really know each other very well growing up. Um, and so when I moved here, I was like, hey, can, can I stay with you for a month? Just give me a month to look for apartments and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, sure, why not? So um, I started spending a lot of time with him. We ended up getting along really well. And it just so happened that his personal assistant uh, quit like the day before I was supposed to go back to Ohio and so he came out and he's like hey do you want to be my assistant and I was literally 18 years old I was like I don't even like this whole city just seemed like chaos to me yeah, right yeah, and yeah. I'm like I don't know dude I don't even know what an assistant does yeah, I don't know yeah. what that means yeah and all of his friends were like don't do it it's gonna ruin your relationship with him because when he works he's very um, he's not, he's, he's just very, he knows what he wants and he's very demanding and he's very, you know what I mean? Like he's, he can be really funny, but he can also be very on it. Right. And, um, so they're like, don't do it. It's going to ruin your relationship with him and you know, whatever. But I decided, I mean, here's your options. You go work at a skate shop, you know where that's going to lead you. Right. Or at least be an assistant, mess it up for six months, be terrible at it. But the amount you're going to learn just from doing that is probably, you know, obviously way beyond working at a skate shop. So... I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And um, that's where that journey sort of started. Has he ever had a real job? No. He's fresh out the minivan from high school to the big leagues. I'm struggling. Struggling to get your work, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw Rob was obviously making millions of dollars from DC and from sponsors, right? And then Big Black started a clothing line and he made a couple million dollars off of that thing. So I saw this crazy potential. So I went out and started asking for money for sponsors. And I remember like I was getting like 200 bucks from Echo or something yeah, a month, yeah. you know? And I just, I was trying to collect, but I was just low enough on the totem pole that nobody would mess with me. And so that's what got me sort of frustrated. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do it myself then, yeah. right? Like I'm just going to, I don't care if it's a, 
online only, like whatever. I'm right. just going to create something because I want somehow to fit yeah. this into this machine, right? Yeah, create it. So anyway, so that's what pushed me to really start it. Had somebody just said, shut up, here's 500 bucks a month, yeah. I would have been thrilled at the time. But once again, I would have been back in Ohio now. I remember, for the sake of the story, the first season came around and I didn't have the trademarks. And so you couldn't put it on TV, on MTV, without trademarks. And I was devastated Oof. because that meant, no, we couldn't do an episode about it. I couldn't start coming up with any ideas. There was literally nothing. And that's why if you look, watch the first episode, I'm wearing diamond and rogue status and DTA. And secretly, I was so mad, right? Oof. Like, this should be mine. I'm giving yeah. them all this free stuff, whatever. And because um, I didn't know, like I said, it could have got canceled after that. And there's my shot. And now it's done. And so luckily... It worked, it got picked up for another season. By that time, I had all the trademarks and everything handled. I went in, I said, here's what drama's doing, you know, and that gave me the lane to put it all over my office and yeah. sort of start that. And that's where Rob is so brilliant. And even the guy, everyone on the show is so brilliant because they did such a good job at sort of translating what I was really going through into TV form. Dude, you can't be late to your first t-shirt release party. But it's like that whole fashionably late thing. Like, no, hey. not when you're hosting. That's when you're going. Not and they hosting. did that so well with all the Fantasy Factory. So what I'm saying is like, all my little meetings were boring. Yeah. All the little designs and sitting in my room scratching Y&R is right. boring. Yeah. But creating a little office because that's it, a littler version of Rob's office because it's my mini mogul office yeah. and I'm about to be an entrepreneur yeah. is brilliant, right? Because yeah. that translates to the audience like, oh shit, this guy's starting a brand. And they did that so well. And um, so anyway, so that's when we filmed the first season. We filmed me jumping out of the building to prove I was reckless. Yep, we filmed yep. all that I stuff. I remember that. I remember that episode. Uh, yeah. And I think we should say right now, if you don't jump out of the young and reckless, that I have to take over the brand and I own it now 100%. Yes. And so then what we did was we took, uh, Dee and I, my partner, we took the DVD of the edited first episode with Y&R in it. Because they edit probably on average two or three months before the, it airs. Okay. So we took it, we drove it down to PacSun in Orange County, and we said, look guys, so here's the salesman thing again, right? The right. same way you said you have to put together the plan to pitch something, you have to put together this sort of inflated story to sell it. So we, we took it down there and we said, look, watch this episode. This is about to be the biggest brand. This is the biggest show, blah, blah, blah. We'll give it to you exclusively for six months. Um, you just have to buy it for all doors and you have to have it up in the store the day after this episode airs. Yeah. So once again, thank God they took a risk too. They were like, all right, we'll do it. Like for all those that are like trying to start a brand out there, yeah. like what does that even mean, right? Do they like get, actually write, they write a purchase order? Like, mm -hmm. what what is that? What does that look like? Is there a yeah. contract? Were you like, what did that feel like when yep. that happened? Yep. So here's a, okay. So here's a big thing. Uh, a lot of people ask me, and this is where this situation for me was unique. But it's, there's value in me telling it. A lot of people ask me, well, where'd you get the investment? Well, who invested? Well, who took the risk? Because we were so crafty, and because I had the benefit of a TV show, which is why I tell people who are starting clothing brands, go find an influencer, build up a social media right. presence, like get the audience first, yeah. and then give them product. Don't yeah. try to have product with no audience, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, because I had those things, 
we were able to take that DVD down to PacSun, sell PacSun that was about to be the next biggest thing in the world, and it's all theirs, and all of my social media traffic and everything I say is gonna say PacSun. Yeah. You guys have it exclusively, but you have to put it in all doors and you have to have signage and it has, you know, it has to look like yeah. you guys are repping it. So the way that it looks is, they say, okay, cool. And then you're like, yeah, you, know, you drive home from Orange <laughs> County, you're like, fuck yeah, you know, yeah, we're fucking yeah. rich, you know? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, and then you get back to the office and you know, a week or so, you send them your line sheets, which at the time we had three graphics in 18 different colors. Yeah. And um, they, they send you their purchase order. And what I'm getting at is, we were never in debt because we never had real product. All we had was the 20 shirts I wore on TV and the wallpaper in my office was our only real expenses. Yeah. Um, so, so you had the, basically you had the samples. Yeah, we right. had the samples and I wore the shit out of them. I gave them to everyone. We did right. photo shoots, we did all this stuff. And so then when they made their purchase order, it was essentially, uh, it's a little bit more obviously difficult than this, but it was essentially like we were instantly profitable because we had an order and we filled it with our first real right. uh, uh, shipment of product. Right. And and it was a pretty decent size order. You know, it was small units. They did give you all the stores. They did, and at the time it was like 650 stores or something. And wow. it was um, it was small units, but it was um, that's a lot of stores. Why is it called Young and Reckless? You've got to be more reckless. You gotta live this brand. I see the Young and Reckless brand everywhere now. Young and Reckless, go cop your shirts, Young and Twist, and weird stars real short. You know, I want it to be a way bigger movement. I want it to be a worldwide brand. So we're going to go into his thoughts about college and why he thinks that, you know, in college they teach you the rules, but in entrepreneurship, it teaches you how to break the rules. One of the biggest things that sort of frustrates me, I guess, is, and not that, you know, I don't like to complain too much about something that I'm not even attempting to fix. Maybe mm -hmm. one day I'll be able to say I did something, but it's just schooling in general and how people are educated in general in this country yeah. and how quickly things are changing for job opportunities and what type of jobs are, are even available and how kids are being taught yeah. in high school. And I, I just think it's so mind-blowing how it's built to put kids in debt. It's built to give kids no dreams. We don't, we don't try to harness what kids' dreams are or passions are. We just sort of say, no, go to algebra and shut up, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things is that's why that frustration as a side effect of that, not to get political, but is why our president, not my president, was able to uh, run on, I'm going to bring factory jobs back and things like that that these people have been educated for and those jobs don't exist, yeah. right? People are coding or people are working in tech or people right. are whatever, doing all these different things, creating YouTube uh, pages and creating content. And, I mean, there's kids making millions of dollars off of yeah. their Instagram pages. It's like, yeah. I just think that um, that's a huge flaw in our sort of system right now. That's a huge shame. And it's interesting because uh, once you started working again with like Robin, like that became your the, yep. the, the schooling that really did help teach you the business. Yeah, that was you my know? college a million percent. And I was so lucky because I not only saw Rob, Rob has a very specific way of going through life and creating businesses and doing what he does. And then I went when I, uh, 
got found my business partners for Young and Reckless, they have a very different way of doing it. They're USC mm. educated, very smart, had right. been in apparel for 10 years and very margin and numbers and uh, operations driven, which is kind of the opposite of what Rob is. And then I you know, met this guy who's in finance. And, then I, and so it's like being able to soak all that up is yeah. like, there's no college that could have taught me that yeah. in any way. Yeah. And Prices. It's, it's learning how to navigate. You learn the rules in college. You don't learn how to break the rules yeah. in college, right? right? And I think the people who sort of break them or manipulate them or, or whatever are the ones who really become successful.